Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnt out? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Hello, and welcome to today's Control the Chaos Conversation. And we are talking about lights out parent-teacher conferences today. It's the how, the what, how do we get there? What do we do to have successful parent-teacher conferences? Because clearly, teacher conferences are a lot of work. So I remember in my first year teaching, I was so nervous for parent-teacher conferences. is really, really important year for me and a very big learning experiences as I was a special ed teacher and um, I, I was having some of the conferences on my own because I had some resource room classes at the time. Well, I forgot to invite some related services. So that was kind of my moment where I was like, I need to be more prepared for this. I was nervous about everything that I had to say to the parent, but didn't think about what others had to say to the parent. So I think that's really important when you start, we'll start off with being prepared because the parents asked to speak to the speech pathologist and the speech pathologist was in another teacher conferences because I didn't have it organized to make sure she would be there and stop in for this conference. And now who is looking like a fool? It definitely wasn't the parents or the speech pathologist. It was me because I didn't have everybody invited. So now, now I'm late because I'm ready for the next parent teacher conference, but we need to wait for the speech path to get to this one. So the parents are hanging out and now I'm trying to come up with more things to say to keep the conversation going. It was like this snowball of effect where me not being prepared and inviting all of the people that I should have invited that the parents would have wanted to speak with. Um, so it was just, it continued, it threw, threw that parent-teacher conference off, then it threw the next parent-teacher conference off because I was late, then it threw the third parent-teacher conference off. So the whole night, the whole thing that I was worried about was what am I going to say in the teacher conference ended up being a cluster because it was the who I didn't invite. So that's where we're starting off today is being prepared. Who do you invite to parent-teacher conferences? Yeah, and that is so difficult because every single student has somebody, right? Like there's always somebody that needs to be invited. And it's just remembering to invite those people or if they're not free um, to kind of remind you of that. And I mean, I remember my first parent-teacher conference. I was spec ed too. And so I was on a really good team that did prepare and they did that for me. Um, so I didn't have to really do a whole lot for parent-teacher conferences. Um, they were like, okay, we got to invite this person. We got to do this. And I was just like, oh my gosh, there's so many moving parts to this. 
um, that I can't hardly keep up. And so they kind of showed me the ropes, luckily, and um, I was able to have some grace there with them kind of taking the lead of that. But it's so true. There's there's always somebody that you might leave off. And so you really do have to think about, okay, this child, this is the appointment. I'm going to send you an invite. If you can make it, great. If not, um, do you have any notes that I can share with the parents or a way for them to contact you after the conference? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't using invites then, right? Yeah. Like I wasn't using my Google Calendar at that point when I was teaching. So it would have been email. And I just didn't do it. So, yeah. oh, well, you know, it happens, but it was live and learn. So now, you know, that's top priority. Who do you invite? Specials, RTI, special education, counselors, speech, principals, even, you know, if they're involved with the students, there's could be a whole a whole slew of people that you need to invite and maybe not everybody will come or needs to come, but it's important to have, to have that invite out there just in case the parents want to speak with them about something. Yeah. And that's our first tip is to just be prepared. Um, so think about who you want to invite and then also maybe come with like a one pager about the child. Maybe you have different work samples that the student has done. Maybe you have a student that has created a data binder and you've put that work back on the student and now you just need to share it with the parent and show off kind of what they've been working on, how they have been doing. I always love when teachers do the student reflection surveys and they like rate themselves on how well of a listener they are, how well they follow directions. Um, and just having that conversation with parents and when they look over their child's responses, um, we usually have a giggle over all those fun little responses that they have. So again, first tip is just be prepared and think about who do you need to invite and what work samples, what data can you bring to that conference to share with the parent. And making sure when you're thinking about that data too, um, we're not a little bit overwhelming. Sometimes that could be a lot for parents so I think when you're bringing data to the table, make sure that it's not just all about numbers because a lot of numbers are in and out. Like Steph said, that bring some work samples, let them see the work that the students are doing. That's really important when they actually get to see what their child is doing versus those numbers because when you leave out of there, likely those numbers are going to be in and out, right? But they'll look at their students' writing. They'll see if it's neat. They'll see if it's on target. And um, so that's that's important too, just having that visual for parents and what they might want to see what their student is doing because do you, doesn't every parent want to know what their kid is doing during the day, not just the numbers of their do of what they're doing. I mean, I used to love when work come homes, but as the students get older, students stop bringing work home. So for some parents, this might be the only time they actually get to see what their student is doing is when you're showing it to them if students aren't typically bringing their work home or they don't have that that relationship with school to home. 
with their work. Yeah, and I think too, sometimes in education we have different um, different names or different abbreviations for different things like RTI. A parent might not know what that is, so you might need to really just think about, okay, what vocabulary should I use in this conference to help the parent better understand um, what I'm talking about? Because I know that can be really overwhelming for parents when they're like, okay, I have no idea what that means or what that, what she just said. Um, so really think about that as well. All right. And is create an environment. This one I think is also very, I mean, all the tips are important, right? But imagine this, parent walks into the classroom and you're an elementary teacher and you have only student seats and your student is a first grader. So not everybody's going to fit in those seats. So making sure that we have adult seats that the parents can sit in can really set, you know, it could really set a mood in a classroom, right? If you come in and and the parent right off the bat doesn't have a seat that they fit in or are comfortable in. So making sure that they're comfortable and having those adult-sized chairs are important. Um, making sure that, you know, you don't have work that's scattered around the environment. Your classroom is looking neat and picked up and welcoming, just like it would be for students. You want the same for parents as well. Um, I used to have, and this is a little bit like extra, but I used to have a bowl of candy that sat out and mints and things that a a parent could pick up. Sometimes I had like those mini Kroger waters. I'm doing this with my hand. Like you could see me, you could only hear me, but like the eight ounce waters, I would have some of those eight ounce waters and little bits of candy. So water, you know, just to, you know, give that little extra to the environment as well. Yeah. I think just having, you know, those resources can create that environment for, okay, this is a comfy place I can share. We can talk about the student um, and kind of think about all of those different things. And if you are virtual, think about your background. Um, is your background a mess? And really, you just have to dress nice from, you know, the top up. Um, but <laughs> just think about that background. And I think it's really funny because some of our principals, when we were doing virtual conferences, said you can wear jeans but from the top up, it's got to look good because that's what's on camera just to make it kind of fun during that uh, virtual time where we weren't able to have any parents in. Um, so think about that background and what is there and what you might need to um, reorganize or move things around or get those adult chairs um, for those different individuals. Which, I, think, I think that's super important too when we think about like your if you're virtual and you are not there to have that human aspect of like shaking a parent's hand or, you know, looking them in the eye because you're looking at a computer, the, they have, there's very little that they can go off of the environment. So you don't want the one environment that you can see to be off. So do you want a picture in the background? Do you, what, what is it that you want in your backgrounds? Um, when you are presenting to parents. So creating an environment was 
Tip number two. So next we have parent pickup lines. Um, tell me what you mean by this, Steph. Yeah, I think it's just really important to think about how you're going to word things when it comes to parents, because some things can be very, very difficult to, uh, to talk about. And so you always want to start off with something positive, typically with the parents. Um, I always use the true color survey and I'd have my parents take it. So I knew how to give them feedback because if they are a gold parent, they want to know exactly what their child is doing. Um, they want to make sure the feedback is very direct, where if you have a blue parent, they want that positive, maybe the negative and then another positive, like the feedback sandwich. So it's just kind of fun to know your parents um, and how to give them that feedback because we all have different positives and negatives. And sometimes I think we focus too much on the negatives. And so really think about that child and start with a positive. What is going well in your classroom? Um, also think about how to word things. Um, this is what we're doing here. What, what have you tried at home? Or something like that, and not just blaming the parents for different behaviors or different things um, that you might be seeing the child do or blaming the child. And really kind of just take a step back and look into, okay, what is going on at this home? The parent is probably doing the best that they can. I'm doing the best that we can. So how do we work together as a team for some of those parent-teacher conferences? 100 percent in focus of the parent teacher conferences should be the learning right so think about too when you are thinking about that sandwich and you're thinking about the piece where they are struggling or they do need support um maybe it's academic maybe it's behavior maybe it's social development maybe it's where it is that is that in that middle piece of your sandwich um also comes solution-based. So what are the solutions? So here's where your, your student is struggling. This is how I'm going to help them. This is how the, this is what the plan is moving forward. And then also involve them in the solution. So do they have any feedback of how we could support this student? What work, what is working at home or what has not worked in the past? So, you know, maybe we're not going to go in that direction. So I think getting that parent feedback on that solution piece of that inner part of your sandwich of what's, what's not working, but how are we going to fix it is also super important when we're talking about um, what, about your parent-teacher conferences and making them not just, um, how do I say this, not just smooth, but effective, right? So we come out of the parent-teacher conferences with solutions for where a student might be struggling and how do we get them to grow more. Yeah, and I just think it's so important to also have that ongoing communication. I know sometimes the fall conferences pop up right away because you've got so many different moving parts at the beginning of the year that you just have to do. And so sometimes it can be very difficult at the beginning of the year, but just have that ongoing communication. And one way that I like to do this is put it on the students. Have the students send home a weekly reflection um, to the parents and have them email home when they've done something really great and they can copy you on it and then you can respond with that. 
Um, but that can just kind of help you manage that class with over 70 some students sometimes with just having the kids also be a part of that communication where they're able to email home and they can then add you to the email, add their parents, and then you can continue that conversation going forward. And one of the things too, you mentioned earlier about acronyms, I think it's important when we, when you touch on that to really think about avoiding some of that teacher talk piece and not loading it with the acronyms and some of maybe the curriculum titles. Like somebody in the elementary, they might be new to what iReady is. I'm going to use iReady because that's what we use in our district. So instead of saying iReady, you can describe it as the you can do a description of the program and then use the name iReady and explain to the parents, I might use the term iReady, this is what it is. Or you have a student that gets to high school and now the program has changed and they're using Alex for math. Um, Again, a program that our district uses, but just the explanation of the programs are changing and they might not have all that information from their students. So making sure that we define it before we use that teacher talk a lot because they might not understand it. Wit and wisdom, do they understand what that means? Like all of these different programs, it's not just the acronyms for RTI or special education or different special education um, acronyms, but also the curriculum um, titles and things as well that are important for students for us to define for parents if they haven't been in our district or it's something new that we're working with with our students. So that piece of communication is also very important. Yeah, that's a huge piece. Um, the last one for the communication in the parent pickup lines I was just thinking about is really when you're delivering some of the middle part of the sandwich, if you're using the sandwich or the bad news or whatever it is that you are saying that the student might be struggle be struggling with, um, don't sugarcoat what it is. Be very honest with parents. Um, trying to sugarcoat it will not solve any problems. I think we oftentimes do have a difficult time delivering bad news, but if we don't deliver it accurately, how are we going to come up with an accurate solution? So making sure when we do deliver that middle piece, after we start with the positive, we get to where they're struggling, if they're struggling at all, and we do have to deliver some bad news, make sure it's an accurate assessment of what they're doing and it's straightforward, it's not sugar-coated, and then we get solution focus. Yes, this is happening. This is where they're struggling, but this is what we're going to do. Sometimes we try, it's hard to tell parents what is not going well, and we try to be nice about it, but sometimes it's just really about just be honest. Be honest, lay it out there, and get solution focused. Um, that's, I think, is a really important piece because 
parents really need to know the truth in order for them to be able to help them at home as well. Yeah. And I just, I agree with that. And I think too, it's parents probably have heard it, right? Like if you're not first grade or kindergarten, um, and I think if you're older, like they might, they might be like, oh yeah, this has been an issue. And maybe they're able to share some information with you about um, that different behavior or that different struggle that that student is working with. And they might have a solution to kind of help with what they need to do. Um, so the next tip is just logistics. <laughs> um, so since COVID, we have kind of expanded the options for parents. And so sometimes it might be a in-person um, setting for the parents. And then other times it might be virtual where they're able to choose a Google Meet. And so I think it's really important to give our parents options on do they want to meet in person, a phone call or Google Meet. And then just kind of adapting that and just being really clear with them, like what is their options? And then from there, you're able to go about scheduling. Also, it's really important to stay on time. So if you schedule 20 minutes, you need to make sure that you um, do get to your next um, appointment on time. So just like Tara kind of was behind schedule her first year of conferences, um, think about how can you make sure that your conference is on time because parents are busy and usually they might have something right after the conference. And so if you need to continue the conversation, maybe just say, okay, our time is up. We've got another conference um, coming up, but let's go ahead and reschedule um, a follow-up appointment or something like that. And that's where the parent could come back in or you could hop on another Google Meet at a different time to continue the conversation. And then scheduling. So technology has made scheduling a ton um, lot easier. <laughs> so with scheduling, we used to have like these papers and they would get sent home and then the parents would bring them back. And then you had to like figure out when you were going to meet with every single parent based on their first, second, third choice. And it was, it took a lot of time for teachers to kind of do that. And so now with scheduling, um, Google now has like appointment slots, appointment schedules. You could use Sign Up Genius. You could use a Google form. There are so many different options for scheduling that, again, can just kind of save you some time rather than sending home those papers. And then you are kind of that middleman of trying to schedule it all. Um, so just think about that as well. And then the tech check. So when you are doing a Google Meet, just hop on maybe the day before and make sure you're able to share your screen. Make sure you're able to um, see your background and video and everything looks pretty good. Also make sure if you need to, uh, you might need to send out those links to parents or reminders um, or look on the calendar settings and can you send like an automatic reminder for parents as well. So just think about the logistics and think about how can technology kind of help you save some time when you are scheduling these parent-teacher conferences. And now that you've had the all the parent-teacher conferences and you're all done and the stress is gone, now follow up, right? You know, parents, um, some of them have to get babysitters if they have young kids or if they're coming in person, some of them have to leave work if they work in the evening or the daytime. Some of them really rearrange their schedules to make sure that they can be a part of the parent-teacher conferences. So following up with a thank you um, for 
taking the time to be there and considering their, you know, this time to be valuable. Uh, I think a nice little thank you sometimes goes a long way. And then it also opens up further communication. So it doesn't have to be much. You could do a blanket email where you just fill in the student's name. And then you, once you have filled in that student's name, hit send, right? And then you copy and paste it into another email, change out the student's name. I, it doesn't have to be any big deal. It doesn't have to be 100% personal because I think it, it's just taking the time to do that little thank you. If you want to make it personal, you can. Some of us have a hundred and something students. Some of us have 30 students. So it really depends on what what amount of time you're working with and how many you have to send. And also a follow-up, if parent offers some solutions within that parent-teacher conferences, you know, when we're going back to that sandwich and we talked about being honest with their struggles and we talked about solutions, well, now if they've offered solutions, maybe send them a follow-up. Say, hey, you know, um, we we tried what you suggested today and it really went well. Or maybe we've been trying for a couple days and we're seeing some progress or maybe we're not seeing any progress. Do you have any other solutions? But adding that follow-up, you know, really lets the teacher or the parent know that you as a teacher values the things that they um, offer during those parent-teacher conferences. So I think those things, those follow-up can be just as important as the teacher conference because you let the parent know that you were listening to what they had to say and that you appreciate them. And then that is kind of opening that door for continued parent communication. Yeah, so your call to action this week is to communicate with parents. So if your conferences are not coming up anytime soon, we still want you to communicate with parents, whether that's a phone call home or maybe you send an email. Um, I've also seen teachers that just put out five post-it notes on their desk and throughout the week, they have to make sure that they write one note home to five different kids. Um, so that could be a great way as well too. But your goal is just to communicate with parents and think outside of the box of how you're going to get that done. Is it through your students? Maybe it's with those notes or those post-it notes that you just will send home a handwritten note. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it is parent-teacher conferences. Um, but just kind of think about that next step for you. And until next time, make sure you control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos. Until next time.